Welcome to the Creatives with AI podcast. I'm your host, David, and this is a show where we share insights about the future of artificial intelligence and how it will affect the lives of people working in the creative industries. On today's show, we chat with Alex Stoltz, creator and founder of Future of Film and the Future of Film podcast. We touch on democratizing filmmaking with tools like Unreal Engine and Unity, ethical considerations of AI in the film industry, its impact on entry-level jobs and the potential to make mid-level people more efficient, the need for champions within organizations, and turning filmmakers into entrepreneurs. Alex Stoltz is an executive and creator with over 22 years' experience at the nexus of audiences, storytelling, and innovation. In 2017, he founded Future of Film, initially as a podcast and now a global community and annual summit dedicated to bridging the gap between new technologies and emerging creative practice. In 2022, Future of Film launched the Future of Film Incubator, a cross-media innovation program for the screen industries. Previously, Alex held senior positions at Picture House, the UK Film Council, and the BFI, the latter in the role of head of distribution. He's a regular keynote speaker and continues to drive innovation in distribution and marketing as head of film at the leading entertainment analytics business, Yushiru. As always, links to Alex's profile and his social media will be in the show notes and on our website at creativeswith.ai. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this cinematic conversation with Alex. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming along to have a chat with us today. Thank you, David. The first question I always, you're, you're welcome. The first thing I like to ask everybody is, how are you doing? It's nice of you to ask. Um, I am, I'm doing fine. I'm keeping well, I'm healthy, and um, I'm excited about the, uh, the the future, I guess, and the, the projects we have um, coming up. So, yeah, can't complain. How are you? I'm living the dream. <laughs> no, I'm very good. good. The podcast has been, you know, something new that I'm working on, so that's been interesting to learn a whole new skill that's, you know, different than my sort of my day job that I do. So that's been very interesting. So to start us off, What's your sort of general opinion of AI at the minute? How, how much do you know about it? And, and what do you think? Are you sort of glass half full or glass half empty about the prospects of, of AI in the future? Uh, well, how much do I know about it? I know, I know a bit. I've come across it and I've touched it, as, I guess, in different aspects of my work. Um, I've been using it for some of my work in terms of like, I have, uh, we have our own podcast, a future of film podcast, and also the movie marketing and distribution podcast. And we use AI in that process. We use AI to, you know, distill the content and, and get it out there. And that's been, that's been amazing using AI in some copy and, and those types of processes using chat GPT. And that's been, that's been great, <laughs> really really useful on a sort of practical level on, 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 for a small scale, you know, production setup. But then I've also, you know, I've come across it in, in the wider sense in the film space and I've seen firsthand, I guess, and I've used it firsthand as well, how we run an incubator uh, for, for emerging filmmakers to bring new talent and new projects to market. And last year was the first program and it's a piss we were were focusing a lot on new technology and uh, emerging technology but ai really wasn't 
part of the uh, the syllabus when we we started. It was um, this was about a year ago. Of course, we were all sort of aware of it, but it wasn't. It was sort of halfway through the program. We some of the filmmakers were just were starting to really dig into Mid Journey and coming up with incredible concept art for their for their productions and that's when it really for me started as like wow this is so powerful and you know really powerful ways to distill the creativity to communicate the ideas of the, the storyteller that's been really positive and since then, it's just exploded, of course, hasn't it? And, and um, well, you know, ChatGPT has taken off, and and it's. I'm still, I'm still optimistic, but uh, there are some serious questions, you know, presented in all in all areas, aren't there? Of 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 of, um, of industry, particularly the creative industries, and I do think there are some, yeah, some really big questions. <laughs> That need to be uh, 100%. need to be answered um, by someone, hopefully a human, to yeah to figure out how 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 we're going to um, coexist. I suppose exactly, and I think that you've actually segued into a couple of different questions that I had for you later. So, just to set the scene, I've done in an intro. I've kind of gone through your bio for the listener, so they have a little bit about your background, but. How long have you been in this in the film industry, and what was the winding road that sort of brought you here? You know, we don't need a CV, but what's the you know how how did you sort of navigate from maybe when you were younger in uni? Is this what you wanted to do originally? I think this will be good in sort of establishing the background and then thinking about how you've experienced the change in the industry over the years. I'd always been passionate about film. I was always been. I'd always been sort of drawn initially more to the sort of audience side of it. So the cinema side, the distribution side, and that was where my career started programming cinemas, thinking about the audience, what they, what they, what they're interested in, how to serve the audience that progressed into working at the, uh, the national film bodies in the UK, the UK film council, the BFI, again, on an audience focused, distribution focused funding capacity. Do you mind me asking when that was? That was, I left the BFI coming up to, it'll be, it's nine years, I think, um, ago. So, so that was, that was sort of the first part of my big chunk of my career, I suppose. And once leaving the BFI, you know, to, you know, to, to really sort of chart my own course, I suppose, and, you know, come out of a, a big institution. Um, with with its uh, with its you know the challenges of, of a big institution, I yeah I thought about what 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 I wanted to do, and I'd always been really excited about innovation in in film, and we'd done some innovation programs in the in the public sector, and I was really curious to 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 dive into that as well, and I was also a bit frustrated to be fair, also that film had for a very long time been quite sort of uh, isolationist and not wanting to take on other ideas you could this is a time where you could see the games industry just exploding and film just was like you know no we're fine we we, we know everything with film you know and I, I, I'm, I'm generalizing but there was a I, I thought there was a lot to learn from other industries so 
I started a podcast, David. That was my, uh, I just thought that would be a great way to dive into, you know, to explore this, to meet interesting people and to, you know, satisfy, you know, just, I thought this, you know, I'm curious about this. Maybe some other people will be too. Uh, and the podcast, exactly. Uh, exactly. And the podcast started more where I was in my comfort zone, I suppose, which was more like in the distribution side. Uh, this is the future of film podcast, but then uh, gradually I realized that uh, most of the innovation with the streaming, streaming had sort of already sort of started to take hold. So most of the innovation actually was now starting to come on the production side. And that's, that led to a, this, this wonderful journey with future of film which has evolved into a, uh, a, an annual event, has reports, the, the podcast, obviously, and then now this incubator where we're taking all these ideas that we've been sort of magpieing and, and distilling and sharing and, and applying them uh, with real-life filmmakers uh, to take their projects and optimize them for, for market. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a short summary. I still... I'm still very involved in the distribution side as well, which I think is also another, you know, thing which is for me is really important. It's like, you know, you can't have production without distribution. And if you're able to, you know, that join those two up a bit more, you get a you get a more rounded perspective and more 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 um effective products. For people who don't know, when you say distribution, mm. what does that in in sort of words of single syllables, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Uh, good question. In the old days, it meant getting, well, marketing is, is a big part of it. It's, it's, it, it. Marketing is a big part of it, but the actual, it also involves distribution. In the old days, that involved the logistics of getting reels of film. Shipping the cans into around. Can, into, yeah. into vans and taking them around the, you know, and, and, and organizing that. Now, of course, it's all digital, but it's still taking... It's, it's taking managing the rights for the for film and then and licensing it out to cinemas or a streaming platform. Still, there's a few DVDs sold still even now, or to airlines and, and you know lots of different places where they, they show content. So it's okay. So I didn't, I don't think I realized that it was everything from licensing to actually getting the content. Like you said, you know, in the old days, it was actually putting the you know, the cans on a truck and shipping them around. Now it's just, you know, giving somebody a link to go and download it, I guess. But I didn't realize the rights and everything came into that as well. So that's quite interesting. In a previous life, I used to work for the newspaper licensing agency and we did a lot around copyright material and stuff in the newspapers. And so I have a little bit of kind of knowledge around some of the rights issues. Okay, so that's interesting. So you've you've seen a progression sort of in the industry over you know, the last few years. And I'm wondering, particularly since you've got the incubator and, you know, you'll be working with, I assume, younger people or people just getting started in the industry and that sort of thing. So how do you see AI impacting that kind of indie film scene? Do you think it'll democratize sort of filmmaking or do you think it's actually just going to create a bigger divide from, you know, the larger companies who maybe have access to more powerful tools or have more money to spend on them? I think there's definitely a democratization piece and that's been progressing and, and building for, for, for many years now with the, the iPhone and, and all of that potential. And now, you know, that's being augmented with tools that, yeah, to, you, you can create amazing quality 
content with uh you know with with very low cost so there's a there's a great tool we used for one of the projects last year called move.ai which is a motion capture solution which just uses a phones um so you can do really really great motion capture and with with just a you know just a few phones which you can borrow from your mates or whatever so that's just one example there's obviously lots of you know editing tools and 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 things like that which can streamline that process and that doesn't even start to sort of think about the the potential to film if you like in virtual worlds where you have tools like unreal engine and unity which are completely free they're they're not straightforward to to use but they you can you can learn them and they're, they're completely accessible and you can be wherever you are in the world you have a you know, a good computer and that it opens up a whole nother level of filmmaking, which is maybe not going out, you know, it, it, it's, it's filmmaking in a, a slightly different way, but you're still using the same principles. Uh, so there's huge democratization opportunity. I think the, we come back to the distribution piece, um, as we, as we always do, it's like, you know, how, what happens then to that content? How does it reach an audience? Is that, you know, is the craft developed, you know, sufficiently for it to, to resonate and, you know, is there, is there a sort of a business model behind it to make it s sustainable? Lots of opportunity for prototyping and experimentation and creating great looking stuff, but that's not the same as professionalizing it and, and bringing it into the, into the commercial sphere, I suppose. I guess there's two different aspects to it. Like, like you were saying, there's the consumer or almost the prosumer approach where any person with a phone and maybe access to mid journey or something like that, or one of the AI video tools can go in. I mean, you've probably seen a lot of the stuff that's been out there where, you know, they've been going and not only just creating fake videos entirely of real people and using voices and that sort of thing, but also just creating original, original films and doing that sort of thing. And I think that, like you said, that's one aspect. Then I think there's the, the very much the pursuit the, sorry, the, the professional aspect where I wonder if AI could really have an impact on, on things like visual effects and those sorts of things that might and whether that's already being done, maybe that's a better question is to ask you, you know, how much is that actually being used at the minute? And it's probably not technically AI, it's machine learning really, but being able to use those sort of machine learning algorithms in the background to help speed up the process of doing visual effects and some of the other, like, I don't know, are there color, like, for example, are there color grading tools where you can actually just throw a video at it and just say, look, color grade this and make it look like, I don't know. I mean, the big, the big one at the minute is Wes Anderson, right? Everybody's creating videos like Wes Anderson, even though it doesn't look actually like any of Wes Anderson's mm. stuff. But it's that sort of idea that, you know, the, the having a professional tool that can speed up the workflow of an entire editing or grading process is, is that stuff, does that stuff exist? I don't know enough about it. So does that stuff exist already? And if not, do you think that that's where there may be some real gains to be made? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think 
I'd be very surprised if that didn't exist. And um, I, you know, there obviously are, you know, tools which you, I think, I think where it's really, where, where you're really seeing it, you've identified it correctly, David, is in the, in the post, in the post process. We're seeing more and more in the pre, which is the, the concepts, the, the writing, and we can talk about writing <laughs> in a bit, but yeah, absolutely. I think in that, in that VFX pipeline, that post-production pipeline, it's really, there's great optimization opportunities there, um, and, and, and tools. We're also seeing it in dubbing, for example, which is, you know, another you know, another way to, to completely streamline the process and to bring content to international audiences if they don't like subtitles. Yeah. Uh, that's something that the Riverside, the platform that we use to record on, once we finish the recording and it uploads all the files, then in like five minutes, Riverside then provides me with a fully transcripted version and they use AI to do that. And I can literally go in and edit the entire episode by just cutting out sections of text. So all the bit that we did before we started recording, I can literally just highlight that in the text and then just say delete and it will literally cut all of that out. So it's been, you know, I'm already seeing that in in tools. It's interesting also that you mentioned writing. I was at an event the other day and there was somebody from the film industry and he was saying that one of the ways they've already started using AI, and I'm curious to know if you've heard about this, but but what they used it for is they actually wanted to take a book. So they have the rights to take the book and make the book into a, into a film. And they were curious to know what would happen. So they basically gave the entire book to AI and said, create a screenplay out of this in, what, 20 minutes. It had literally digested the entire book, made an entire, I mean, they gave it a few more parameters, right? And kind of gave it a few things that they wanted it to do specifically. And he said, that saved weeks worth of work. And he said that the text was okay. And he said, but the thing is, is that you can't get, it doesn't, it can't do things like tension. So if you want tension in a scene, it doesn't, it can't figure out how to do that. And if you tell it this scene should have tension, then it will just add a line in for someone to say, I'm really tense. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's still got a ways to go. And that, I think that's where the human aspect still comes in. It will probably continue to come in for quite a, quite a while. Have you tried to use anything like any of the language models, like the generative AI to do anything like that, to take something and say, hey, I've got this piece of text. Can you rewrite it into a script? Or have you seen anyone doing that? Have you had any experience with that? Yes, I have. And I think it's, I think where probably we'll see most of the activity at this stage is in the sort of, in that idea generation process. So coming up with 10, 20, 30 concepts for films and stories that is, you know, already, uh, you know, it's already happening and it's, you know, you can see that being such a valuable, such a, uh, well, well, easy to use tool for executives and, um, uh, and, and you know, producers, because, you know, this is where it becomes, you know, a real concern, I think for, for writers, because yeah, it's, it, you know, coming up with those concepts is, is one thing. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, obviously you will require the, 
executive or, you know, the, the producer to identify which ones are, and then refine them. And so there's that, that process, but you know, you previously, you might've had writers doing that, but the next step is then to, would be for the AI to, you know, to create that treatment, you know, say, okay, well, I like this concept. Let's create a, you know, now give us a, you know, a two page treatment on this. And then the next step is probably it's like give that to a writer. And that's where it sort of starts to become, you know, I can see that's one of the big concerns that have been voiced by the, in, in the writer was when we're talking we, at this time, the, the, the obviously the WGA is on strike is not striking about AI. They're striking about streaming rights, it's, you know, which is sort of, you know, something which is, you know, sort of, uh, boiled up over the last few years and they weren't, they hadn't sort of thought about it in the last time they negotiated, they're not getting enough money out of the, the streaming deals and because the way the streaming deals are structured and, and so on, but the, the, you know, AI has started to, you know, become a dominant theme of the discussion. And this is one of the, you know, the concerns is what happens when AI generates the idea and the, yeah, the, the, the structure, if you like, of a story and then writers then become, yeah, just rewriters effectively. What does that mean? Yeah. And for, for them as a profession and, you know, as, as, as credits and all of that. And if the AI is generating the IP, who then owns the IP? And I, it is a complicated question. And I think at the minute, it's still probably clear that if I use an AI tool to come up with an idea and to get a two-page sort of overview of that, and then yeah. I send it to you as an idea for a film, then that's because I used AI to help me brainstorm ideas. I'm still choosing the idea and I'm still doing some of that. So I think at the minute, it probably would still be pretty clear. I know there's some initiatives out there to, to have to say that if you use AI in some way, that that, that should have an you know, that we should have to say that or that it should be watermarked if it's created. And I think that's the wrong way to go because anytime, if as soon as you say, well, any content that's created by AI has to have a watermark in it, within 24 hours, somebody will have a tool that will remove the watermark. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's the same with images, you know, and the EXIF information around images. Like you can go, there's tools to go and edit that. So you can make the EXIF information look like anything you want on any individual image and no one would ever know afterwards. So I don't think that's the way forward. A bigger question, I guess, for me is, at the minute, do you think that audiences would view or their perceptions of the films might change if they knew that AI was involved? I think it's a good, it's a good question. And I don't know the answer, but I do know that I'm often very lazy when it comes to watching stuff. I know stuff I should be watching. I know things which will, that, but would be, yeah, more healthy if you like for me to watch. But if it comes to the end of the day, and I think this can be said for, I'd say, I don't know if, you, if this is your experience, but sometimes good enough is, is, you know, you just want to switch off and watch something. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. And you, and I think when I look at, some of the best performing titles on streaming. I think that is definitely true. These are great stories. Uh, 
a powerful kind of, you know, you know, things which which would which will move the you know move, move your uh, world. It, these are these are generic and you know satisfactory t- TV series. I think I've seen eight seasons of Married with First Sight because my wife keeps putting it on the TV. So I just it's on in the room and and I can't I can't yeah. help it. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's so. What should we be watching? Uh, well, I mean, well, should. what should we be watching? That's a great question. What should we be watching? Tell us, tell us something meaty that we should be watching. This is well, now, now this is the, the uh, this is this is the um, now, now you're putting me on the spot, David, and and, and this is what I'm saying. This is I'll come back to you because I'll remember something something good. Um, but okay, that's fine. We can <laughs> let it let it let it yeah. percolate in the back of your head. For but a the, few minutes. The, the the point is, I think that. People are the. This is already in play because, although these these my my point is these shows are not being created by AI at the moment, but they are being heavily influenced by the algorithms, and the algorithms have been you know present particularly on on Netflix obviously for for a long time, and they are they Great are point. shaping the the content, and it doesn't take a lot of imagination to say. To plug those algorithms into generative AI, say this is what's working now. Please give me, you know, fifty ideas, or you know, which a combination of those things. And it and it's in a way, it's already, you know, if that's not happening, it will happen, you know, very very soon. And and so we are, you know, in danger of having, you know, even less choice, even less diversity, even less. Um, originality and that and the question is you know are we going to be happy with that <laughs> are we going to be satisfied and I, yeah. I i i'm concerned you know based on my own lazy behavior at times that you know uh, you know we might not you know we might suck it up for a while but you know would you get a squid games with with that would you get yeah you know other stuff yeah see i think you Maybe the other side of that coin is, is would we be more likely to get a Squid Games? Mm. Because Squid Games was quite different. And would having a, let's, let's say having a crazy AI come up with, give us some original ideas for, some, for a new film, could that actually bring up all sorts of stuff that we'd never even considered before? And maybe that could be the savior of the film industry. Person, this is, now I'm wading into my personal opinion, mm. but at the minute, all it seems to have been for the last several years is rehashes or, I mean, if I have to see another Marvel film, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I know Disney, you know, the, I think the last time I, I read, they had like 17 Star Wars films already planned out. And I think, I think as a casual film goer, that's the last thing I want to see is another Star Wars film, another Marvel film. It's remakes i think i think i saw somebody's remaking ferris bueller's day off like that there's no it doesn't seem to be a lot of originality in the film industry at the minute because everybody's maybe they're too risk averse and and i think it'd be good to get your thoughts on this about why that might be but maybe with the invention of ai and the ability for it to come up with random ideas Maybe that might actually give us some really creative new stuff. And like you said, if it's if if the if the writers are using it or or the producers 
are using it to come up with new ideas and then actually giving that to a human writer to say, hey, this is a great idea. Let's explore this. Then do you think maybe that could actually be a positive thing? Do, do you, I guess, do you agree that the, the industry has been kind of in a lull? Not a, I don't think it's dying, but it's certainly been in a lull and creative in a, in a creative way, I think. Do, do you agree with that? And do you think that maybe AI might help with that? Or do you sort of still see it as it's just going to take us down the same road by just looking at the algorithms and going, what's the most popular thing? Let's create something that we think is going to be popular. I feel that's, that's more likely the, the, the latter because that is, is predictable and, and, and originality is, I'd imagine is, is, is harder to instigate, you know, so it's much easier for it to, to learn what's happened before and then to, to, to base it on that. That's not to say can't like create, you know, combinations of, of really cool ideas and to surface those, but it's, what does a, you know, what does a, a platform like, you know, just you know, Apple or Netflix or Amazon do with that to they say, okay, well, that sounds crazy, but we're going to give it a go. And you know, that's when it starts to have to go through, you know, you have to take something through several stages before it's, it's greenlit. And there would be probably quite a few, you know, red flags, you know, uh, at that stage because it's, it's a huge risk. I mean, you know, we've seen things like the success of everything everywhere all at once, uh, which is, is, you know, that feels like something which, well, it was just felt very fresh and original and that's, but what's going to be, you know, what's going to be the next, you know, where's the next, well, everything everywhere going to come from. And so I, I, I do think there's capacity to bring new, fresh, original ideas using these tools, but then they're still going to get past the gatekeepers. They're still going to get, you know, um, greenlit. And so I think without a, that's the other thing, you know, you do, you know, without a, a champion, a, a filmmaker who's, you know, really explaining and then conveying why this is, why this is story is important to tell, then, you know, it's just, it's just potentially just another idea and it gets lost. Interesting. So let's go back to something that we briefly touched on before, which I think is the, the big glaring elephant in the room, which is the ethical question. As AI becomes sort of more prevalent in the industry, what ethical considerations do you think that we need to be aware of and mitigate somehow, or at least attempt to mitigate as we move forward over the next, say, five to 10 years? I think, obviously, there's a streamlining process, which is which is really positive, but then you're going to get to a point where it becomes so streamlined that there are less jobs, particularly less entry-level jobs in the process. And so that is, that's a concern. I think, you know, there's also certainly a concern in, in the writing side of things that, yeah, you're not, it's also, you know, potentially not incentivizing writers to come up with exceptional, you know, stories and new ideas, which is, you know, I've, I've already found that chat GPT is maybe lazy and I've been 
you know, I, I turn to it sometimes when, you know, it's, it's, it's great for, for some, some things, but sometimes it's like, you know, you, you, yeah, you can, you can see how it's, you can become quite dependent on it. Um, so I, th I think there's, I, I don't know if it's an ethical concern, but there's certainly a concern for the industry and getting fresh ideas and, and, um, and new perspectives into the industry, which is already, I think, you know, struggling a bit from that, you know, bringing in new, new faces, new, uh, yeah, younger people into the space. So I think that's a concern. I think the original, you know, the whole IP creation and, and originality, original creation piece and, and writing is also, um, a, uh, you know, uh, something which needs to be grappled with. I don't have the, the answers to that. So I think there's a, there's a whole, you know, I think that's, if it was a pinpoint, it's in that, it's in that area, it's in the, it's in the origination, um, concept creation piece where there's the, the, the most threat. Interesting. It's obviously you talk about the junior, you know, sort of people coming along and that's something that we've talked about with every single person. And it's a, a common topic that when I speak to creative people, it's, it's a big concern. And I, I do, I agree with you. I think today, I don't think AI is maybe powerful enough to fully replace even a junior person, maybe. But in the next couple of years, what's going to happen is it's going to make those mid-level sort of people in, in, in all sorts of industries, it's going to make those mid-level people very much more efficient. And they're going to be able to get a lot more work done. And it's not, it's not like AI is going to take anyone's job. What's going to happen, though, is, is you're right. It's going to hollow out that starter level. So it's going to be much more difficult to get into any particular industry, whether it's copywriting or journalism or film, because there isn't going to be a need for it. The, the mid-level people will be able to do that work. And as those mid-level people sort of progress in their careers and become more, say, senior-level people, there aren't going to be any mid-level people anymore, but you're not going to need them. And it's going to be, a, at least in my opinion, it's going to be a slow erosion over the next maybe 10 or 15 years, or maybe even sooner. Some people think it's five to 10 years. If Didi was here, she would say it's three to five years, probably. So she's a little bit more, she's a little bit more bullish on how quickly the AI is really going to, is really going to have an effect. But I think certainly over five to 10 years, and in 10 years, we're going to be in a spot where we aren't going to have as many senior people. We're, we're not going to have those people who cut their teeth, you know, working years and years and years who now have have that experience, but we're also not going to need them. So it's going to be a really interesting spot. And that that's really originally why we started this podcast, because we wanted to, we wanted to flag this in, you know, to people who maybe don't deal with AI every day or who don't think about this every day. But it's just to keep in the back of your mind, you know, what might happen. And we need to think about education. We need to think about things like government and taxes and where the money comes from, because if those people aren't entering the workforce, what are they doing? And if they're not working, where does the tax money come from? And where does the money come to run the economy? So there's a whole bunch of other side effects that come from that. So it's interesting that you had the thought, and I'm glad you had the thought as well. And, and hopefully more people are thinking about that. So get out your crystal ball. What do you think the role of AI is going to be 
in the film industry over the next, say, five to 10 years? Well, I think it's going to have a, a huge, a huge role and it's going to touch every part of the, the value chain um, from production, from uh, pre-production all the way through to distribution. And it already is. I think for me, the, the really exciting bit, the magical bit is probably in the virtual production space. You know, that's, um, you've probably, you know, you familiar with, you're fed up with Star Wars stuff. I, I get it. But the, the, uh, the Mandalorian and those shows where they have the, they're all shot on a, on a stage with an LED screen behind them and the, uh, and the LED shows the, the background, the visuals, and they can take you from a, a water well to a desert in, you know, instantaneously and really, you know, incredible technology, but all of those at the moment, those scenes have to be, um, uh, to, to be, uh, designed, developed, often they're using unreal engine. So they are, uh, they are effectively real time. So you can, you can change the weather, you can move the sun around. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's magical in fact, but they still have to be created. They have to be designed and developed and, and, and put together. Now you can see, I can see a future where you have those, the generative AI is able to create those spaces, those landscapes, those, uh, those backdrops rapidly and based on a series of cues and prompts. And that's, that would be pretty transformative and, and very, very exciting. So I think that that's, that's for me, something which is, you know, really exciting, but I, you know, it will, I think where you probably see most of the impact probably is in the optimization of the workflows, you know, making the post-production more efficient, effective, bringing AI into the pipeline with tools like Unreal Engine, which we talked about, will also just will potentially change the, the, the whole process. And, um, this is one thing we haven't sort of touched on much, but really the idea of making a film on its own and not thinking about how that story and content can also be used on other platforms is, well, that needs to change and it, it is, is changing, but if you're able to create a, a workflow, which allows you to say you create, you create your, your space planet, and then you're able to use that space planet in, in a game, you're able to use it in a VR, you're able to use it in a TV series and a, and a feature film. That's kind of, that's the future of filmmaking is, is, it's no longer tied to one medium yet. Yeah, you know, we still have wonderful you know, two hour epics. I can't wait to see June two, for example, I was watching a trailer for that, you know, just standalone. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. It looks amazing. Standalone, you know, just, just sit back and soak it in epics, but you know, we're, we're coming into, you know, it just makes much more sense efficiently to, to, you know, from an efficiency point, point of view, if not creatively to expand that, to be able to then go and explore the, 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 the uh, I don't know what the name of the planet in June is, but you know, to, to explore the world and, uh, and, and, and Arrakis, Arrakis of course. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Another a fanboy. Not that I might've read Dune a few times <laughs> when I was a kid. So yeah, so that's it's yeah. interesting. 
It's exciting. It's, Sorry, it's, no, that's okay. It's, I'm just it's exciting. It's, it's exciting opportunities, and I think you know, it's just how we how we protect protect. You know, to to we we protect that 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 you know the creative voice of a storyteller, and if all of those tools and stuff are to the service of the storyteller, the writers and the the filmmakers then it's it's wonderful and i think you know the industry would need to adapt costs will you know maybe come down for for production but i think where it's you know if we lose we we must keep keep that sort of flame uh that creative flame you know protected and um and it, and then it can be a wonderful tool a wonderful service to amplifying that and to uh, and, and to bring it out into the world. I think there are enormous upsides to it, particularly if you look at some of the things that they're using in things like medicine, where you've got algorithms that scanning for things like breast cancer, it can see breast cancer like four years before a human can in the scans. And what I didn't understand, and I, I learned this the other day, is that the way it does it is the reason humans can't see it so well is because the the resolution of the image that it gets from the say the MRI is actually extremely detailed, but they can't show it in that detailed resolution because the human eye couldn't see it anyway. But the tech can see it. So the digital systems can actually look at the detail of every color, the slight color variation of every single pixel that gets recorded, whereas the human eye can't see it, but the tech can. And that's why it's able to see that stuff ahead of time. And so there's a lot of really cool things that are happening and, you know, things around genome and all sorts of, they're already going back in there. I saw an article they were talking about, they're going back and looking at the mRNA type vaccines, not, not the COVID vaccine, but some other ones that have been on the market for a long time and using machine learning algorithms, they've already been able to improve the, the efficacy of those and the way that they work and to reduce side effects and things like that. So there's an enormous upside. And I think, you know, we talked about, you know, democratizing film and that sort of thing. And, and I'll, it's a little segue because I do want you to talk a little bit about your incubator of what you're doing there. And also I want you to get a good plug in for the podcast as well. So we'll do that here in just a second. And then I have a, and then I'm a little conscious of time. I don't want to take up too much of your time today. So I do have one question at the end, but I, I want to get to the other stuff, but I do think broadly, broadly, I am a glass half full person about the technology. I do think that ultimately it's going to be good, but I do think there's a lot of, there are a lot of questions that we need to, we need to ask and we can't just stop. Stopping isn't an option. We're in a, we're, we're in a cold war, you know, right now it's an arms race and, and we have to keep up as a, as a country and as a society. We have to keep up with everybody else, so we're just going to have to figure our way through it. But yeah, no, I, I think it's again, I'm 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 bullish on it. I think it can be good, but I think having conversations like this is important, and that's why I, you know, I want to talk to people like you and sort of dig in and see, and hopefully we can share some thoughts and and make some other people think about things as well. So tell us a little bit about the incubator, what the incubator is there to do. And then what you're telling the people that are coming through the incubator about how to how to use this and how to move forward. Yeah. The incubator is built to bring 
new storytelling voices or new stories to market. But it's a bit more than that as well. We we are interested in not just not just making a feature film at the end of it. So we take a project from a concept all the way through to where we where we package it and pitch it to buyers and studios, Netflix and, and so on. And and we present it and we we try to de-risk it. So we audience research, we we conceptualize it, um, strategize around it. So it's 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 so much more than just a you know a script or an idea. It's a, it's a whole uh, it's a whole proposition which has been carefully you know it's gone through a sort of very um, two stage process, selective process, and so on. But we're we're really interested in building businesses out of the the concept. So the the aim is to create IP driven businesses. So a multi a multi platform multi multi point enterprise which is at its heart is this story this story world in fact so to take you know the june example you know the, the, there's so many ways to tell that story and so many different possibilities and it doesn't mean it has to be a science fiction film or science fiction anything but it but we're interested in creating story worlds and ip ecosystems which can then be exploited you know exploited you know told commercialized over uh, over you know uh, over and over again and for us that's like a journey from being a filmmaker to a what we call a creator entrepreneur someone who is committed to building a business um, around their their ideas, so that's the journey we take people on, and it's and 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 I say a lot of it, a lot of it is is to do with building the story world. So you're not, it's not just a story; it's the world around it, and that's the um, that's a really fun process. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's that's actually sounds quite interesting. I guess my first question around that then specifically is: is does that work in cohorts, or do you just do it on an ad hoc basis? So do you have you know, you'll have like a call and then you'll have a bunch of people apply and then you make a decision who you're going to work with or how, how does that process yeah, work? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. So it's cohort. Um, we've opened it up globally this year. So we, so it, the first, it's a two phase process. The first phase is, is masterclasses, one-to-one meetings. And, and that's, we've taken about 16 teams for that, for that process. And then we select three of the teams to continue forward for the, the the main part of the incubator, if you like, where we're where we're really doing a bespoke development with each of the teams. And is there when's the next cohort? Is there one open at the minute, there's, or is there one coming? There's one uh, applications are open as we speak, but they're go on, give it a plug. 30, well, <laughs> you may, um, if we by the time this airs, we may it may have closed. So the okay. it's scheduled to close on the thirty first of May. But yeah, you can find out all about it at futureoffilm.live. Okay, brilliant. And the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is is there on on the same site or on, on your podcast platform of choice. It's um, Future of Film podcast, and yeah, we dive into all of this stuff: virtual production, AI, audience, uh, audience behavior. Um, yeah, that's world building, story storytelling. Yeah, it's all there. Yep, and I can 
personally recommend it. It's on my um, it's on my playlist now as well, so it's on my list of favorites. So oh. I get uh, I get updates also. Oh, thank you. Right, last question. So this is one I I, I kind of try to ask everybody now. But if you could develop an AI tool to aid you personally in your work process, what would you, what would it be, and and why would you do it? Well, the the, the glib answer would be to clone myself, although I'm not sure my my family would 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 appreciate that. But um, just to, so I can get more more done, as, um, and to yeah, to do all the all the stuff which you you really want to do is like you know to to read and to take on new ideas and to to learn so yeah maybe there's something about that maybe there's something about the, the you know the the learning process and the 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 education process i i don't know i think you know i, I there are some incredible tools out there which you know i want to get to know more so more like the matrix, just plug in and then you can upload some information. That oh way. yeah. Well, that's what yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would, I, I know, I, like I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. Thank you very much for your time um, today, Alex, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Stolz. Thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on another amazing episode of Creatives with AI. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you want to stay up to date on how all things related to AI is impacting the creative industries, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. We're on them all. And follow us on social media. We're on mainly Twitter and LinkedIn, but we're the same handle everywhere, which is at Creatives with AI. We'd also really appreciate it if you could just take a minute to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are our two main platforms and it really helps other listeners find the show and it also helps us get more popularity and more exposure. So it'd be amazing if you could help us with that. If you've got any questions, topic suggestions, guest recommendations, feel free to send us an email. The best email is hello at creativeswith.ai. Or you can shoot us a message on social media. Either one is fine. We love hearing from all of you and we can't wait to bring more exciting episodes in the future. And the best way we can do that is to get feedback from the audience and have the audience tell us who it is you'd like to hear from and what things you'd like us to ask and what topics you'd like us to talk about. So please use that. Let us know what you want to hear and we'll do our best to get it for you. And last but not least, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Future Hand Limited, who make this podcast possible. Your support means the world to us, and we really appreciate it. So thanks very much. That's it for today. So until next time, take care, everybody, and stay curious.